This is a shir on Likutei Sichos Chelik the twenty-second book, the parsha of Tzav, the first sicha. Says the Rebbe about the Eish Hamaarocha, about the fire that was on the Mizbeach. So it says that it was crouching like a lion. So the Gemara says Mesechti Yume. So the Zoyar comments on that. It's the Zoyar in this week's parsha of Tzav. That this is a reference to Malach Uriel, the Malach whose name is Uriel, which who is revealed, who shows himself in this form, the form of a crouching lion. And regarding this, the Zoyar says two expressions. First, it says that Ischazi, it appears, with the appearance, the resemblance of a strong lion, Rivia Altarfe, crouching on its prey, P-R-E-Y. And then the Zoyar continues and says, And it appears like a big lion, Rivia Al-Korbono, crouching on its offering, Al-Korbono, on the sacrifice, on the offering. So here we have two different expressions. And it says the Rebbe, that my father, in the in his comments on the Zoyar, refers to the distinction here <coughs> of the two different Lashonis. First of all, the first expression the Zoyar uses is a strong lion. In the second expression, it says a big lion. Number two, in the first expression, so that's Takifa, Arye Takifa, in the first expression, strong lion. In the second, it says Arye Ravrafa, which means big lion. Second distinction is, in the first expression, it says, that it's crouching over its prey, the thing that it's caught. And then afterwards, in the second expression, it says, it's crouching on its carbon, its offering. And says the Rebbe, my father explains, that when we're talking about the, what is the Arya, what is the concept of the lion? This is a reference to the lion on the holy supernal chariot, as it's described in the vision and there are two concepts there. There's chesed and gvura, kindness and strictness. Because on the one hand, the word aryeh has numerical value. Gvura, aryeh, the word lion in Hebrew, has the same numerical value as strength, strictness. On the other hand, the face of the lion in its placing on the holy supernal chariot of Hashem is to the right side. The right is chesed. So you have the lion depicting, on the one hand, Givura, on the other hand, its placement is in a place of chesed. Strictness and kindness are both incorporated within this concept of arya, of, of lion. And this, says the Rebbe's father, is the expression in the different expressions of the Zoya. First, the Zoya is speaking about the strength of the lion, the Givura of the lion. That's why he first speaks about the strong lion that's crouching on its prey. So first of all, speaking about a strength of the lion, and then also speaking about its prey, in other words, when something is caught and becomes the prey of the one who was a predator, it's coming from Givur, it's coming from strength and strictness. Then the next, the next thing that the Zoya speaks about is the Ari, the way the Ari is in a form of Chesed. And that's why it speaks about, as we said, right, there's an aspect of kindness in the placement of the supernal of the Aryeh, of the lion of the supernal throne. It says, speaks about Aryeh Ravreva, the strong lion, the big lion, Revi'a al-Karbona, 
that's crouching on its carbon on its offering. So Rav Nevo's expression that refers to chesed big, so we know that in the verse that it says, to you Hashem to you Hashem there is gedula and gevur, there is greatness and there is strictness, the word gedula is a reference to chesed as being the first attribute. And also when we talk about karbana, the word karbana, well, it means sacrifice, but it comes from the expression of offering, of bringing near. So when you talk about bringing near, the animal that's brought near before Hashem, that's an expression of yamin, of the right side, of chesed, of kindness. And as we know that it says, yamin, mekareves, the way one must always approach somebody else is with the right hand, one brings near. So right is connected with chesed, which is connected with karban, with bringing near. <clears throat> so the Zayar speaks about the two aspects of the lion, the Gevura and the Chesed. Base. As we have spoken numerous times, says the Rebbe, the notes that my father wrote were written in concise and terse fashion. I mean, the Rebbe doesn't point this out in the right here, but the Rebbe explained to us at length the history of it is that his mother, Rebbe Tzanchana, would brought the books, the few books she was able to bring for the Rebbe's father, one of them being Zoyar, and the Rebbe's father didn't have pages, paper, on which to write his notes. He wrote them in the margins of the book, so he had to write very briefly. And the things that need to be learned f- from what he has written, he doesn't explain, he anticipates that whoever's going to learn it will understand it on their own. And of course, the Rebbe explained every week, the Rebbe would explain in the Fabrengen for many years, what's to be learned from the sh- shorthand notes that his father wrote in the margins of his books. So learning this note that the Rebbe's father says, we have a question in the actual language of the Zaya. Since a lion, this very lion, has both concepts, both chesed and gura, both kindness and strictness, why does the Zayar divide the two descriptions into two separate passages? He speaks first about the strong lion who's crouching on his prey, and then the big lion that's crouching on the thing that's been brought near, on the offering. Why doesn't he just say both interspersed into one passage? So it could have written as follows. could have said, Arya tekifa verabreva, a strong, a lion that's strong and big, revia altarfe al-karbana, crouching on its prey on the offering that was brought to it, or something similar to that. Incorporate both in one passage rather than having two separate passages. Because even though, yes, granted you will say that chesed and gvur are two opposite, mutually exclusive concepts. So how could you blend them into one? But what my father is saying in the notes, says the Rebbe, is that the concept of the line does incorporate within itself. It does have both aspects. And they're not two separate, different, mutually exclusive concepts. They both coexist in that same line. And it's therefore like what? It's like It's like a concept of the light of strictness in the vessel of kindness. In other words, <clears throat> when it comes to the midas, when it comes to the attributes, the emotional attributes, the way they express themselves, there's there's gradients and 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 and. Um, blends of various middays. And sometimes you have the ex- exterior which comes out as chesed, but really it's the it's the strength which is within it. I'll give you an example of the opposite. 
of the Eir HaChesed Bikli HaGvura, I think this will be an example. Imagine a very kind, benevolent parent is strict to their child because he's playing with matches. So that would be the reverse. That would be the strictness. That would be an external, the vehicle, the, 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 the expression, the outward expression would be Gvura, but the inward expression is, of course, kindness. He says that in, in this would be, the lion would be the light of Gevura in the vehicle, in the, in the vessel of Chesed. In other words, both of them could be coexistent within, and they do. They are represented by the general Indian of the lion. The gematria of Ari, on the one hand, is Gevura, strictness. And we know you don't have to go to gematria, actually. The very character trait of lion is Giber Kari, strong lion. There's a strength there. There's, 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 right? You've got to be scared of a lion. And at the same time, we say that the face of the lion is Elayamin, is facing in, the, in Hashem's holy chariot, it's facing to the right. So there's an aspect of kindness there. And similarly, it is when we talk about the expression of Karbanis. Karbanis in general, in the Zayar, they're called two things. The Karbanis on the one hand are called like prey, which is Gevura, something that depicts strictness and strength. It's had to be overcome. It became the prey of the one who caught it. On the other hand, we're talking about the thing that was brought near. That's chesed, that's kindness. So actually, every carbon, every sacrifice has both aspects. Gevura and chesed, why? Because the offering up of the sacrifice on the Mizbeach is by very definition an ascent. You're uplifting the physical animals from below to above, being burnt up in fire. That's gevura. That's the concept of strength and strictness. Gevura is an upward motion. And that then achieves and affects Hashem's pleasure. Pleasure is Hashem beaming down, so to speak. His pleasure that his will was done. Hashem beaming down his pleasure from above below. This is chesed. Chesed is a downward flow. We know that kind chesed is water. Water flows downward. We know that fire, gevura, is fire. Fire yearns upwards. So every carbon has both aspects. The carbon is going up, but what's being elicited, what's coming down is Hashem's delight and Hashem's pleasure. And we could say even more than this, that both these aspects are in the same, in the same aspect of the carbon. The coming close to Hashem is actually done in a way that it leaves something over to be attached down below. First of all, there's this thing that the owners or the koyanim eat. So it's brought up at the same time. Part of it is, remains down. It says the Rebbe in the brackets, even if you talk about the burnt offering, which has to be totally burnt to Hashem, so what's left down below here for the owners of the Kayin to eat? But we know that this skin, the hide of the animal, went to the Kayin, who offered it up. And even when we're talking about an, a carbon that doesn't come from the animal life, but it comes from flour, like a carbon mincha, the meal offering of a Kayin. And when a Kayin, unlike when a regular Jew brings a meal offering, some of it gets eaten by the Koyin. When a Koyin brings a meal offering, it gets fully burnt on the Mizbeach. But the concept of a Koyin, what's happening through this Koyin? Either there's few kinds of meal offerings of a Koyin. Either it's to inaugurate him into the service of the Beis Amikdash, so then something is happening for him down here as well, something good. Or it's an atonement because he can't afford, in some instances, there's a sliding scale of the Karbonus that's brought. And when he cannot afford to bring an animal, he will bring a meal offering. And if it's a koyim bringing the meal offering, it's going to be fully burnt before Hashem. 
So he's getting a benefit from it. It's not fully upward. There's something happening down below here for him as well. Similarly, when we say that Hashem has a downward flow that's elicited through the carbon because there's a pleasure that's created by him for doing what he wanted, this kiruv and chesed that Hashem has, this nearness that Hashem beams down, so to speak, to the one who's offered the sacrifice, is connected with what? Why does he elicit that delight, that pleasure from Hashem? Because I have done, to paraphrase what our sages say, because Hashem says, I have said, and my wish has been done. In other words, there's been obedience, there's been subservience, bitl, that's gvura. And that expresses itself whenever a mitzvah is done. That's connected with gvura. And by the way, every mitzvah is connected with strictness and exactness, because they all have, every mitzvah has its limitations, according to what the Torah instructs. You know, you can't just say, I have an outpouring of love to Hashem. I have chesed, I'll do whatever I want. The mitzvah has to be to hear what Hashem wants. So there's a gvura aspect in that as well. So in other words, yes, there's two conflicting things, there, chesed and gvura, but in the concept of carbon, they both come together. So according to this, the Zerah could have and should have said both things together. Why does he make two passages of this concept of the lion? Why does he speak about the strong lion? And then about the big lion, Chesed, why is it just inter, interpolated into one? Gimel, third chapter here, so we can say that the explanation is as follows. <clears throat> Even though in this lion we have both concepts, both Chesed, kindness, and Gvura, strictness, together they coexist. They co- However, there's a difference in the way they are revealed. Sometimes the givura, the strictness, comes out in, as the revealed aspect, and the kindness is concealed, but sometimes it's the reverse. And that's why the Zohar divides this up into two different cases, the two passages. It speaks about the strong lion that's crouching on its prey. When it, when it refers to it as strong, crouching on prey, it's talking about the level of lion when the aspect of Givura of strictness is revealed, and the aspect of chesed is concealed. And then when he speaks about the big lion, it's crouching on the offering, which is a chesed aspect. He's talking about the level of lion when what's revealed is chesed kindness, and the aspect of where the act of strictness is concealed. We have to understand what is the difference Where does this difference become expressed? In what, in, in what, um, what causes this difference? When will it be this way? When will it be that way? Whether, when will the gevura or the chesed respectively be the revealed ones? So let's first understand there's something else that was introduced by the Zohar. When the Zohar said, spoke about, we, spoke, we, we, we discussed the two passages one after the other, the strong line and the big line, but there was something in between those two passages. For the Zayah speaks about that second passage about the big lion that's crouching on its carbon. First, he prefaces <clears throat> two things. A, that this is like the parable, the analogy of a king who has been sent a present, and he liked the present. So then he calls his servant and says, go and take the present and bring it to me. Similarly, Hashem says to Uriel, his, his angel, go and receive that present that my children are offering before me. Number two, said the Zayar, this is what is stated in the Torah on the eighth day of the 
consecration of the Mishkan. It says, Hashem, a fire went out from before Hashem, and consumed on the altar, the burnt offering. The Zaya says, this is a reference to Uriel, this is a reference to the angel Uriel, the Nachis Bechezu, the Eshel, comes down in the appearance of a fire, the Kabbalah, to receive the gift. And about this desire says, Vizchazia Ka'ari Rabrava Revi al Karbani, and it appears, this Malach Uriel, the Malach that comes down in fire, appears like a big lion who is crouching on the offering. Ah, so before he speaks, he moves into Chesed, into the big lion. First, there was an introduction of the concept of this Moshal. According to this, we can say that in the Indian of Uriel, which is comes down in the form of the lion that eats the sacrifices, there's two aspects. There's Aleph, the way it is, the way he is in and of himself. We're there mostly, we're talking about the strength of a lion, a strong of a lion, strong lion that's crouching on its prey. And then there's a second aspect, which is the way Hashem says to Uriel, go and get my gift. When there's an instruction, and therefore whenever Hashem instructs, there's also a power given, the ability given from above to be able to receive the carbonus, the sacrifices, and this becomes achieved through the fact that the person is highlighting that he's bringing a doira in a gift. As we said, Hashem, this is the analogy of somebody who brings a gift to Hashem. So there's the aspect here of this carbon representing a gift, as we're going to explain what is the uniqueness of calling a carbon a gift as opposed to a regular sacrifice. Then, once a gift has been brought and Hashem speaks and sends down the angel, then we have strictness, gevurais, that turn into chasadim, turn into kindness. And that's why the concept of chesed is then in a revealed state. And that's why the Zayar connects this specifically with the verse that says, Hashem, that the fire went out from before Hashem. Because this pasuk, which says that the fire went out, was on the eighth day of the miluim, of the consecration. And the difference in the fire that came down as a big lion, rather than a strong lion. And why does it come down like a big lion? Because we have an instruction that Hashem tells Uriel to come get the gift. It's like the difference between the eighth day of the consecration to the other seven days of consecration. What's the difference? Hey, so let's talk about the difference in the seven days and the eight days. We spoke many times, says the Rebbe at length, what our sages tell us, that all the seven days, after they finished the Mishkan, it was brought to Moshe, Moshe erected it, and for seven days, Moshe erected the Mishkan, and he brought all the sacrifices, but the Shekhinah did not rest there. We have to understand, since also in the seven days of consecration, they offered up the Karbonis, the sacrifices, and about the sacrifices, we know it says that they become they are a sweet-smelling fragrance to Hashem. In other words, Hashem is nachas because His wish is being done. So how can we say that there was no shechina resting in the Mishkan? By bringing the carbonus, automatically it elicits the nachas of Hashem, which means the shechina is residing. And the answer for this is that when we talk about the residing, the resting of the shechina, there's a few levels. In general, it expresses and divides into two distinct levels. A, there's the level where the revelation of the Shekhinah comes because of what has been elicited by the service of the created being, and therefore it's commensurate also with what he has done. But then it's limited to the Seder Hishtal to the order of descent that Hashem has created for the purpose 
of the finite worlds. Because the created being can only reach to its source, can reach only to its tippitos and get to his source, as a Hasidus says, calls it. It's the arousal from above that becomes elicited and drawn down through the arousal from below. And therefore, it's also defined and measured by it. It's limited by the fact that it's being elicited by created beings. It can only go and elicit from as far as the source of limitation is. Then the next thing is, we can talk about the resting of the Shekhinah that comes from above, from higher than the chain of descent into the finite world. And that is higher than what is done by the, and can be elicited by the created beings. This is referred to in the Lashon of Chassidus, Isarusa de la'ela mitzadatzmo, the arousal from above that is self-starting, that comes from itself. And this is the difference between the seven days of consecration, this eighth day of consecration. The erection, the putting up of the Mishkan, which was in the seven days of the consecration, was the preparation and the service from Matov, from the created the lower being, to create a revelation of Hashem's presence in the Mishkan. That Avedah, which was done from below, <coughs> drew down and elicited a revelation of the Shekhinah from the level of Ishtashlus. And that's why it was expressed in the seven days of consecration. Remember, seven corresponds to seven days of building, of creation. The Ishtashlus. However, that's not the case when we talk about the eighth day of the consecration. There we're talking about the revelation of the Shekhinah from above, self-initiated. The glory of Hashem appeared and a fire went out from before Hashem from the, from the level of eight, which is higher than Ishtashlus, higher than the limited, you know, was chain of descent into this world. There's eight. Eight is from above. It's not, eight is not seven, the first day of the second cycle of seven. Eight is way above. It's something from above Ishtashlus. So if that's the case, we have Batet say, Eish, Hashem self-initiates, so to speak, this Gilui. But no. Says the Rebbe Isvav in chapter 6, even though that the eighth level is higher than the created beings, higher than Ishtashlus, and therefore higher than the service of man, that man can reach through his service. Nonetheless, in order that all of the, re- the revelations from above shouldn't be in a way that's termed in the Zohar, Naham Odichisuf, a bread of shame, in other words, a free handout, that's why what has been injected into creation, into Hashem's world, is that all of Hashem's drawing downs, the Hamshochis, all the things that are drawn down from Hashem, come through, or at least through the preface of Aveda, of the service of man. Because if something comes totally uninitiated, totally undeserved, totally unprepared for, from us, then it's a free handout, it's something that is not appreciated, it's something that ultimately is shameful. It's not earned. And when we talk about this Indian, before there was the drawing down of Hashem Shekhinah, the resting of the Shekhinah on the eighth day of the consecration, there needed to be in the very eight days, in the eighth day itself, the carbon of iron. And through this, the Shekhinah came down. In other words, it wasn't just, Ha'ala 27, not just that there was seven days of preparation, which created the setup for then Hashem initiating the eighth day of revelation, but even on the eighth day, there was also something that needed to be done. Something that somehow at least alluded to what was needed to be achieved, which is the drawing down of something that we can't draw down. 
How do you do that? So just a, a, a note. Asar Shlim, there's a concept that um, sometimes you need to create the setup and then the thing happens self-initiated. So let's say, for example, um, the king's not going to come into the room until everybody's perfectly quiet. Everybody being perfectly quiet is not what brings the kings in. But everybody being perfectly quiet is a prerequisite. Without that, the king won't come. When the king comes, he's self-initiated. He's come because he wants to come. That's not just that here. Here we're saying there's also something that's being done, so it shouldn't be totally without context of the Aveda, the service of us down below. Hashem was waiting for something to be done on the eighth day, which was similar to what was trying to be done to elicit Hashem in an uninitiated way. However, since we're talking about, we're continuing back in the inside, because we're talking about the resting of the Shekhinah, which is higher than the realm of the created being. So we understand that there's a difference in the content of what's being done. And there has to be something different being done on the eighth day, which is bringing down this level of Shekhinah to reside. And it's going to be contrasted and different than the level, than what was done for the regular seven days, which only was able to bring down the light of Hashem connected to Ishtalsha is connected to the chain of descent of creation of the world. Zion. So let's first understand by prefacing what we find that notwithstanding the fact that in the seven days of the consecration, Aaron brought every day a par echad, a one ox, a one cow, to forgive for the deed of the eagle, of the golden calf, the calf being a small cow. Nonetheless, on the eighth day, he once again brought an eagle, ben as he brought a calf in order to be a guilt offering, in order to be a, a, an atonement offering. And this was in order to make it known by bringing something that was offensive in a sense, because it reminded, reminiscent of the golden calf, which was a sin. By bringing it as a sacrifice, this would make it known that Hashem had forgiven him through the bringing this calf on the sin of the calf, which he had made. So why did we have to bring another carbon on the eighth day to make it be known that Hashem is forgiving him through this angle? So we could say that the intention of this kapod, of this atonement, is not atonement for his soul, in other words, to try and get forgiveness. But it's lechapeh lifnei Hashem, as the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, to, to atone before Hashem, in other words, to restore the relationship, to be in a state of delight and of nachas, of pleasure before Hashem, for his of pleasure before his maker for Hashem. In other words, to restore the amicable, to restore the lovingness of the relationship. Not just to clean up the spilled milk, but to restore the relationship of lovingness between Hashem and Ara and Hashem and the Jewish people that had existed before the sin of the ego. And the Karbanis of the seven days of consecration, they created a drawing down of Hashem's light from the this from Ishtalshlus which is in the realm of created beings. That had to do with kaparas nafshish adam That had to do with the atonement of the soul. In other words, the forgiving, the cleansing of the sin. It should be in a complete way, which is not the case when the carbon that was brought on the eighth day, which that had to elicit the revelation that self-initiated from above, from a light that's higher than ishtashlos. So the carbon is brought on the eighth day. They had a different content. They weren't coming to clean up, they were coming to bring a gift, to restore the sweet relationship, a pleasure to his, ma- to his master, 
which would be eliciting something that cannot be elicited. It can only be hinted at. It can only come as a gift. Ah, you say if it's a gift, so what can you do to possibly elicit it? There is a saying in Chazal that even when something is given gratuitously, it's given as a gratuity, as a free gift, if something nice wasn't done to the giver, the recipient would not have been the beneficiary of this gift. It's a gift, it's not payment, but there had to be some kind of a, a setup, a scenario, a pleasantness created by the recipient so that the giver would give this free gift. And this is what's happening here. On the eighth day, says the Rebbe, the Korbanas are taking on a notion not of atonement. That was done the seven days. And that was enough to draw down the light that's connected to Ishtashlos. Here there's a restoration of the Nachas Ruach is bringing a Korban just to be a gift, not to draw down something. But what that does is it announces, it announces that Hashem forgives. Not like by the seven days of creation where it's about achieving forgiveness. Because here it's about letting it be known. In other words, the belovedness that Aaron achieves a state of belovedness, the Jewish people achieve a state of belovedness before Hashem as they were before. And that's why there needs to be, to achieve that lovingness, it's all about not just technically cleaning up the sin, but also letting it be known and revealing that Hashem has forgiven and there's a restoration of that loving relationship again. Ches, according to all this, we'll understand why the Zayar divides us into two things. Why it speaks about the two passages of the, of the, of the lion, the chesed aspect, the vura aspect, and doesn't just intersperse both, integrate both into one passage. We're talking about the fire from above, which is like the lion, which comes from the service of the karbonis in general. So from from the level of ishtalshlus, from the level of the drawing down, which is a revealed light, which is a, a limited light, that's mainly tzimtzum. That's the strong line that's on its prey. That's the regular karbonas that touch and elicit the light from ishtalshlus. However, once we talk about the next stage, which is the karbonas that are like a gift to Hashem, they create the nachas, like on the eighth day, then there's a drawing down of Hashem's light from higher than Ishtar Shlos. There Hashem says to Uriel, go and get the gift from me. Which is like, the Zohar says, it's like the fire that comes out from before Hashem on the eighth day of Miluim. That's a different level. Can't just join the two. And then becomes the Gevures become, the strictness becomes trans, transformed to Chasodim, to kindness. And that's why it looks like, is what the Zohar says, the big lion that's crouching on its carbon on the offering there, what comes out in a revealed way is chasodim, is the kindness of God. Yeah. 